1: Welcome to Cash Considerations, the Chicago Bulls podcast. We're part of the Blue Iron Network. I'm Ricky O'Donnell. As always, I'm here with Jason Patton. Jason and I just recorded a podcast today on the Bulls' loss to the New York Knicks on Thursday night. We thought we were done, but then we got some breaking news. And it is some really unfortunate news for the Bulls and Patrick Williams. Patrick Williams is said to be out perhaps the rest of the season with a severe paralunit dislocation that happened early in the third quarter against the Knicks on Thursday, Patrick Williams was driving baseline for a dunk. Uh, Mitchell Robinson came over, tried to contest the shot, did not really contest the shot whatsoever. (laughs) He had no chance of stopping Pat on this, but he wanted to prevent him from getting a dunk. So he reached up and kind of smacked him in the face, sort of hooked his arm and Pat fell sideways to the ground, caught himself on his wrist. You watch the video now, and it is a rough watch, man. It looks like Pat's arm just buckles when he lands fully on it. And this is a severe injury. Pat's going to be out for the year, it sounds like.
2: Yeah, officially, four to six months is what the Bulls put out there. But, I mean, four months is, what, end of February? Six months is end of April, which is playoff times. So you assume he's done for the season. and probably not coming back even if the bulls do make the playoffs i I feel like i'd be shocked at this point he's what three injuries already and this seems like a really bad one did you did you look up at all like i was reading some stuff on twitter about this specific type of whatever peril lunate dislocation that like it's like kind of rare or just like really bad and there could be like serious long-term effects here like obviously i'm not a doctor i just saw some tweet from some like pt guy i think I, i think he tweeted at you uh yeah just awful i mean just like the start just awful for him like before we even talk at all about like just like the team ramification just awful for him just a nightmare season for patrick williams from the start the ankle injury misses basically all training camp in the preseason besides one game shoulder injury i don't want like night one or like the second game he suffers a shoulder injury and now he's done for the season five games in basically just an absolute nightmare for his second season in the league a young player who Bulls are hoping to develop and you just you just really feel for the guy right I mean just just sucks
1: yeah it sucks it sucks for a million different reasons I want to read off the tweet you alluded to earlier from Mason West you can follow him on Twitter at West sports PT is a physical therapist and he tweeted out not good news Paralunate dislocations are high energy and often devastating potential to cause lifelong disability of the wrist with median nerve ramifications Then he said to clarify I do not think this is career ending keep in mind it is his left wrist so shooting should be fine Pat of course is a righty reductions in range of motion and left hand strength, which may affect dribbling passing and left-handed layup and dunk. So this sounds like a really shitty injury and this just sucks for Pat. I feel so bad for him. I think that's the first thing is that I hope Pat makes a full recovery from this injury. Like, and I hope that he's able to stay in a good place mentally too, because he was probably so hyped for this year. You know, he was really going to have a chance to make a name for himself and he had a slow start to be sure. But uh, as Jason and I talk about on the podcast, you're about to hear when we discuss the Knicks game, like (laughs) he had some nice flashes against the Knicks and, Uh, You know, he sort of has this reputation for being a little passive offensively, right? So it really sucks that when he made a super aggressive move to the rim and tried to dunk on someone, (laughs) he gets basically clotheslined, catches his entire body on his wrist, his wrist collapses, and this is like a serious wrist injury that's going to cost him the whole year and hopefully will not have long-term ramifications on the rest of his career and the rest of his life. But it sounds like in a worst case scenario, that's at least on the table, so I just feel terrible for Pat. Yep. Uh, hopefully he's able to make a full recovery from
2: the bulls perspective. The bulls are probably
1: going to need to acquire another big man. Yeah.
2: Uh, they, needed to, they I mean, we said, and we talked about this on the coming pun. They probably needed to get another one anyways. So now they need probably two, but they definitely need to get, I I'm not sure if they're going to have any trades that they can make like, right 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 now and like we've kind of brainstormed some ideas like Derek Favors is on the tanking thunder and like Derek Jones Jr.'s contract matches up there uh obviously I think we Derek Jones Jr. for now is probably gonna be the backup four you would assume right uh Javante will probably start at, at take a spot like he didn't in preseason but yeah I mean they're just they're undersized to begin with and now without Pat who's like their what third tallest I mean not counting yeah, I'm counting Marcos Samanovich, who again he's taking up a roster spot, and he doesn't seem like he can't he can't play, which is unfortunate. Like it'd be nice if he could get some rotation minutes, but uh, I don't think he's ready from what we saw in summer league. And I think he was with the G. I think he's with the Windy City Bulls, so like he can't play. So, uh, yeah, Bulls. Like, like there's part of me that says that thinks like they'll be kind of okay because like. Obviously, just the, the way the roster set up, like, Pat is, like, important, but, like, he just hasn't been that good. So, like, I think they can kind of get by with for, like, now with, I mean, obviously, the schedule is tough, brutally tough coming up. So, it's going to be hard anyways. Kind of get by with Javante and, like, Derrick Jones Jr., maybe Alizé getting more minutes. But, I mean, Alizé's been bad. So, like, they obviously, no matter what, they do need to make some type of moves here. Uh, was there anybody else you had in mind to look to bring in?
1: Uh, not really. I wanted to say that I think they could be pretty decent with Javante Green in the starting lineup. I think that that's going to continue to push the pace. It's going to continue to have them lean into their ability to force takeaways, force yeah, turnovers yeah. from the other team. So I think in the short term he can be decent. Uh, we haven't seen Derek Jones Jr. at all this season, and coming into the year I thought that he was going to be ahead of Javante Green in the rotation in terms of being yeah. that small ball four. So he had some injuries coming into training camp. Billy Donovan has said that that's what's kept him out of the lineup. Of course, Pat had injuries in training camp too, and that didn't keep him out of the lineup. So it'll be really interesting to see like what's going on with Derek Jones Jr. Uh, He's definitely a tradable asset. They can attach the trailblazers first round pick to him if they really want to go in and get someone. Uh, And yeah, I think, you know, the Derek favors idea is one that, that absolutely could work. Uh, take him off the Pelicans. I think, he, I don't, I don't he have his th- contract. He's on the Thunder. Up. I'm sorry, the Thunder. Yeah, But I don't have his contract up in front of me, but it's I think
2: he, like him and Jones. Yeah, oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. I would say him and Jones make like the same amount. I didn't realize he still had, like 9 million left. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, that could be a decent option, but I think
1: generally like they should see what they have in Tony Bradley because Bradley hasn't yeah. played at all. And they should see what they have in Derek Jones. And then after that, like after a week of evaluating that, maybe you could start thinking about making a move. I mean,
2: Marvin Bagley is being tossed around by a lot of people. Yeah, I've, seen, I've uh, seen a lot of people talk Bagley. I, I don't watch the Kings much. He's obviously out of the rotation with the Kings, which is, I mean, just a devastatingly bad pick by them over Luka Doncic. But uh like and people like I asked, like, is he that bad? Like I feel like you look at his numbers and they're like, okay, but like, obviously, that numbers don't mean everything. And like, in our little D, our Bulls DM chat, people are like, yeah, like, Bagley sucks, man. It's like, but is he, is, is he that worse than what the Bulls have? Well, like, they're big man options.
1: Like, I don't know. <laughs> Luke Walton might be the worst coach in the league. So, <laughs> you know, he's only been with Walton. I think that they the King's system isn't really conducive to Bagley's skill set. Like, remember when the Kings had Dave Yeager as their head coach? They were playing so fast. That's sort of how the Bulls want to play right now too, and I think that Bagley would be better in that type of system. So, uh, I do know a lot of people are totally out on Bagley. I wouldn't mind a flyer on him. Yeah, I mean, I if, mean you get, if you go,
2: yeah, I, I don't know what the Kings would like want for him at this point. He's not playing. Like, it's not like he can raise his trade value. You throw him trade like a Derek second. Jones. Trade
1: Derek Jones for him, I guess. Yeah, like Jones and, like,
2: a, yeah, I guess even straight up, like, just, like, whatever. <laughs>
1: to me, <laughs> he would be sort of like Alizé, but, like, a supercharged version of that. Yeah. he's still a little undersized. His best attribute is, like, rebounding. But he has a little more diverse. more
2: offenses, of offensive range. juice. Offensively, yeah.
1: yeah. A little more offensive juice, yeah. So, I wouldn't mind that, but uh, people who pay close attention to the game, follow the draft, follow the, you know, Bagley's career are just totally out on it. So, <laughs> yeah, know. You know, I definitely leave that open to, to maybe that not being a good idea, but
2: I think in the short term,
1: you got to see what you got in Bradley and Jones and then kind of go from there.
2: I was also wondering like, do they try to bring like Stanley Johnson back? I don't think anyone signed him after the bulls waved him. Like I, I, Matt Thomas made the team over Stanley, obviously it was of the shooting, but like, and the bulls do need shooting on their bench, but like, now they also need just like a bigger body, a bigger wing. And like Stanley theoretically fits in there. I know he's just awful offensively. So he's just another guy you'd bring off the bench. who just can't do anything offensively. So it's like, uh, I don't know, but like just to have a body there, I saw someone bring up James Ennis, who I believe is still a free agent, a three and D ish wing. He's I think six, 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 seven. Uh, so like, I guess kind of similar to Troy Brown Jr. Like, it's a lot of, like in terms of like actual, like big, big dudes, like, uh like I don't even know who else I'd have to look who I mean, else. Callie Stein, Stein someone... like I mean, boogie is <laughs> available, but like I don't really think they would, canter. they would go there. Cantor, yeah. I mean, they could bring they Myers Leonard can't back can't from his exile.
3: No.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, so yeah. I think yeah, yeah, I don't think they're gonna be I would be surprised if they like do anything like right away. I think they probably will kind of see what's going on. Because like, I just don't know if teams are like ready to even like make moves uh right now, but yeah. I could see it taking a little time and them just kind of experimenting with some stuff. And then obviously, I mean, we're five games in there's, we got a long season ahead and like, obviously at some point you have to think they'll be aggressive to try to, re, to try to fix this remedy this, but, uh, they're gonna have to, do, they're gonna have to make do with what they got right now. Obviously the injury situation between Pat with Kobe still out, with Zach dealing with his thumb thing. Uh, it's not good and, uh, not good. So I think, that could probably be it for this little patrick williams emergency update you got anything else here ricky
1: nope you're about to hear the rest of the episode that uh jason and i recorded an hour before this news yeah we had it
2: we we did a whole fun i guess even with the loss it was still it was still fun to uh talk about that game and obviously this kind of ruined it but yeah here is the, the podcast that we recorded earlier uh so i guess try to enjoy that
0: guys
1: Welcome to Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. We're part of the Blue Wire Network. I'm Ricky O'Donnell. As always, I'm here with Jason Patton. Jason, the dream of 82-0 and is dead. The Chicago Bulls have lost a game this season. Falling to the New York Knicks on Thursday night, Bulls lose 104-103, a game the Bulls were getting outplayed in, I thought, for the majority of the contest. I was there. I was in the arena. First time I've been uh, to a Bulls game since... Uh, a long time. So it's before the- <laughs> a few years. Yep. It felt great to be back in the arena. Uh, I thought the game itself had great flow uh, for most of the game it was a really enjoyable game to watch. The Knicks were outplaying the Bulls for the majority of the game, mostly due to their advantage on the glass. The Knicks were just pounding the Bulls on the offensive glass, but the Bulls with a great rally late in the fourth quarter, it seemed like the game was over. The Bulls were down. I don't know. It was position. one. It was one hundred four ninety one with three minutes left. That's about what I was going to say. Yeah. So it felt like the game was over and then the Bulls go on this run. Zach Levine, two free throws Vooch hits a big three and, and one from DeRozan and the Bulls had a chance in the final play of the game, Jason, but uh, DeMar DeRozan shot, I think it airball. It was an air ball. <laughs> and uh, yeah, there's, there's a lot we can talk about stemming from that last possession, but uh, in general, Eighty-one and one is still on the table. Eighty-two and zero is off the table. The Bulls lose to the Knicks.
2: Yeah, it was a really fun game to watch. I do agree with you, and I tweeted this. Uh, the Knicks looked like the much better team, and that honestly shouldn't be that much of a surprise. The Knicks were were very good last year. They added Kemba Walker. They added Evan Fournier. Kemba Walker looked really good last night. He's shooting really well from three. Four and eight didn't have a great game, but they've just added so much shooting, and just, they have a really they have a bunch of really good players all across their roster. Their depth, the depth is an advantage, and we'll talk about the Bulls bench later. But a clear advantage in depth, uh, just they have a lot of guys who can score, shoot, dribble, stuff like that. So they're they, they're a really solid team. And like I said I thought they yeah definitely soundly outplayed the Bulls. Tough matchup there, especially with their size as well. With I mean, Julius Randle with Mitchell Robinson down there. And we saw, I mean, we, saw, how many times did we see Alex Caruso and Lonzo ball switched on Julius Randle? And I thought they did a pretty admirable job trying to stop him. But yeah, Knicks clearly looked like the better team almost all night. Bulls make their free or It was almost like an inverse of the Raptors game where the bulls looked like the much better team all game. And then they almost choke it away at the end. And I mean, it was the Knicks definitely almost choked that away. Randle missed an easy putback layup. He missed two, those two free throws. Like as like the bulls made a nice rally, like it was nice to see them not give up. Like the Knicks definitely almost gave that to them, but so it was basically a very similar situation where, and then coming up short in the end. So let's talk about that last play, I guess I I like the general design of the play. I know some people maybe don't love like Zach Levine as the inbounder, uh, but he inbounds to DeRozan. You had the option for the dribble handoff to Zach coming to DeRozan's left would have given him the ball in the middle of the court. looks like the Knicks were ready to switch. DeRozan keeps it himself, and then he goes in, obviously, and then he gets kind of double teamed because Vooch was in the corner. Allowed, I think that was Mitchell Robinson in the corner to help R.J. Barrett recover on DeRozan. DeRozan pump fakes and puts it up. I, I asked this question before the play even happened, like who's going to get this last shot? I had a lot of people saying DeMar in my in my Twitter mentions, and I don't hate DeMar taking that shot. We saw him hit those big shots in uh, in that Raptors game, he's taken these shots a lot. Zach hasn't been the best crunch time player. Uh, so I don't hate DeMar taking the shot. I feel like the way that the the play was executed was poor. Uh, he did not. I don't think he got to the the spot he really wanted to. Billy Donovan said that he wanted a drive on that last play. Um, so once he didn't give it to the Levin, to Zach, which I think you could have argued he should have given it to him. I think Zach had a lot of space in the middle of the court. I know he would have been going left and he... And they, Zach's got the thumb thing that he played through and he admitted after the game that he had issues with this ball handling with that thumb and he's going and to, and that it was unpleasant. So clearly there are some issues there that he's going to have to deal with that, that, with that thumb. But so once you don't give the ball to Zach, I would have liked to see DeRozan be more, just more aggressive getting to a better spot and just putting it up. He got too far to the corner. Vooch is standing there. So the help comes and then he DeRozan pump fakes. By then you have two good defenders up in his grill. And I mean, that's just a really, Really tough shot to make. He airballs. So, like I said, I I thought the play call was fine. I didn't hate Derozan keeping it. Just the actual execution of it, I did not think was very good.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Fully agree there. He gets a clean look at the basket. I think if he just shoots instead of the initial pump fake. Yeah. But what I was going to bring up is what you said. The issue with this play is, I think the ball should have gone to Levine, given where Donovan had Vooch on the floor, like Vooch being in the corner there was meant to space the floor for Levine going left. Uh, instead, when DeRozan keeps it, suddenly you have Vooch in a very similar spot, and that allowed Mitchell Robinson to. I think he got the better contest than Barrett on that play. So Mitchell Robinson is like a seven five or seven yeah. six wingspan guy super long, super bouncy, and that's what those guys do and uh DeRozan didn't get a good look at it. In a vacuum, I do think that play could have worked with DeRozan keeping it and going from mid-range, like that idea of the play, I think can absolutely work out. Like DeRozan either should have shot it sooner or shouldn't have pump faked. I think he was trying to get the Knicks up in the air so that he could try to grift his way into two free throws, uh to put the Bulls ahead. Bulls were down one at that point, so Frustrating end-of-game possession, for sure, because that game was right there for the Bulls, right? Like, as you said, the Knicks choked it away. Some impressive Bulls interior defense or maybe just some Knicks missed (laughs) bunnies towards the end of that game. Uh, But in general, I thought it was a relatively encouraging performance from the Bulls. Like, I wasn't – I didn't feel devastated watching them lose that game. I believe the Knicks are really good. I had the Knicks as maybe, like, a four seed coming into this season in the East – Uh, I thought the Knicks were were always going to be legit. And the way they've started this year, besides for that one weird loss to the Orlando Magic where Cole Anthony just went ham at Madison Square Garden, the Knicks have been awesome. So this is what Tibbs teams do. They treat every game like it's a game seven. Tibbs is going to win a ton of regular season games with this Knicks team. And Jace, I've been saying it all year, but... What I want more than anything else out of this season is Bulls Knicks playoffs. first round matchup, baby. How good would that be? Like, it could be a 3-6. It could be a 4-5. I don't care what it is. I want a Bulls-Knicks series. And I think the Knicks would probably be a slight favorite in that, but the Bulls could beat them. Like, we'll see what happens when Kobe White comes back. We'll see if the Bulls maybe try to make another trade to bolster the roster. Like, does Derrick Jones play any role on this team? Because he hasn't thus far. There's a few swing variables for the Bulls. And to this point, you know, they matched up pretty well with them. They they got outplayed mostly, but they still had a chance to win the game at the end. So I thought it was a relatively encouraging performance, even in a loss.
2: Yeah. The power of Bing Bong versus the Bulls are back. It'd be a great playoff series. Um, uh, yeah, for sure. Like and, and you said, even though they did get outplayed and I tweeted this morning that like, I I'm trying to look at the positives here that they did get outplayed. The Knicks clearly looked better. I'm th- I mean, the Knicks. I thought were getting better shots all game. The bulls were kind of laboring in their offense. The Knicks at uh, Tibbs had a great game plan. They were just being super aggressive, sending multiple defenders at Zach and DeMar DeRozan taking advantage of the, the bulls kind of lack of depth depth in terms of shooters, playmaking and stuff like that. And it, the bulls offense kind of labored a bit. Uh, but they hung around and they make the last run and they're right there at the end. And you mentioned Kobe White. So I guess we could that good transition just to talking about the depth. I just thought we saw just like the clear and the, the bench scoring like wasn't even that big of a like uh, margin. I think it was like 31, 24, something like that. But I think you just like look at the Knicks bench. They have D-Rose coming off the bench. Emmanuel quickly, like quickly did not have a good game. Alec Burks, Taj, and then Obi Topp and I think is their main bench. I mean, that's just like, that's basically, that's a bunch of guys, and Taj is obviously just hard head lunch bills And he was awesome last night, he, vintage Taj last night. But the other guys, I and mean, those are guys who can shoot, who can dribble, who can play make. And then you look at the Bulls bench, and it's and they're bringing and it's Crusoe who was awesome off the bench. He is he was incredible defensively, he had a sick pass to Levine behind the back for a dunk. But I mean, you see what happens when he has to do too much in terms of playmaking like and shooting like he just he's not a good scorer like he's a solid passer but you don't want him doing too much in terms of like scoring and then you have like troy brown jr I mean, he's not a good shooter he did hit one three yesterday but very inconsistent shooter we saw io minutes and he missed a few shots a few bunnies alizé johnson totally ineffective and just against the Knicks' size no derrick jones jr we got tony bradley dusted off and tony bradley did have three offensive rebounds so like in certain matchups i think we we need to see tony bradley but just in general just a complete lack of just dy- dynamic playmaking scoring shooting off the bench and that's something we talked about coming into the season that would be a flaw on this team especially with kobe out and i think last night's game just kind of showed how what a good vert like how much a good version of kobe white would help this team just adding that other scorer shooter guy who can do something off the dribble i know kobe's not great at it we know he has his issues as a point guard but as a bench guy, he wouldn't have to be doing too much. Like if it's Kobe out there instead of, I don't know, whoever, unless, instead of a- Io or like, or whatever, Troy Brown Jr. getting minutes sometimes. Like I know that there's going to be a defensive drop-off, but if Kobe's like on fire and when there's those times where the offense just goes into these ruts, when it's like DeRozan in the bench, I just see how much Kobe can really help there, I think. And so like, it's, it will, I think it's still going to be a while for Kobe to come back, which is unfortunate, but hopefully down the line, obviously that he'll get better. Uh, And then I get get just the size as well. I mentioned like we saw Alizé, Alizé has been bad. uh, Not just this game either. He's been totally ineffective. Like he was great in preseason, but we've seen his limitations. So I am curious to see if we see more Tony Bradley. And I think it is obvious. And I believe we talked about this before the season started. We were like, what, in terms of like making trades in season, like I think we could see the Bulls could use another shooter and they could use another big man. That's what we, that's exactly what we said. And that in a game against a team that they could see in the playoffs, Uh, I think we saw their shortcomings come up, but again, they were able to hang around all game. Uh, and it's not like Zach was like, it was great. Like Zach had a nice game, 25 points, seven to 17, but he wasn't like amazing. Drozen was okay. Vooch had a really nice game. It was nice to see him hit three, three pointers. We talked about that. I think on our last pod, like if we were worried about Vooch, he looked really solid last night. I think he had like 20 or 22 points, eight boards, six assists. He had some nice dimes. So, like, a ton of room for improvement on this Bulls team over the course of the season, and they only lost by one. So, I think that it is a good reason to try to stay optimistic about even though they lost last night.
1: Yeah, who would have thought we'd be sitting here a week, couple weeks into the season and be clamoring for Kobe White? (laughs) I know. That was one of my first thoughts watching that game, too, is the Bulls bench just lacks offensive punch right now, and that's what Kobe can provide, right? So, a year ago, we were like, while Kobe looks so overmatched in this lead point guard role, but it speaks to how the team has changed around him into like how we think he could be really effective this year. Like I think that Kobe is really going to be poised for a big season. If yeah. uh, he can recover from the injury, get healthy, stay healthy, uh, find a spot in the rotation. I think he, he's, he's, going to have a big year for the Bulls because they need someone who provides his skill set of basically floor spacing, getting up three point shots. I think the Bulls are among the uh, the teams who are taking the fewest threes in the league right now. They're definitely among the worst rebounding teams. I have the stats up. The Bulls are 29th out of 30 teams only above the Clippers rebounding rate right now. And yeah, you touched on a lot of things too. Like I'm down to see more Tony Brown. I think Alize earned that spot in the preseason. Problem with Alize is he's just so small. He's about six yeah. seven with a six eight wingspan. He doesn't have the reach that someone like Javante Green has. Uh, Javante Green being a seven-foot wingspan guy. And when your bench is going to consist of someone like Javante and Caruso, those guys
2: are mostly out there. Yeah, I, forgot about, I forgot to mention Javante too. Yeah. I mean, he I mean he did hit one three, but like he's not an offensive guy at all.
1: Yeah, they're out there to forced turnovers defensively, right? And Javante has been somewhat decent as a floor spacer this year, but uh, still, like, those guys have a clear role in terms of turning defense into offense and the Bulls getting easy buckets out of that. But when the Bulls get in the half court and they have too many bench guys in, it's just, like, really it's awful. brutal. And, yeah. You know the idea there is to run it through the starters that you're staggering with the bench unit, right? So, like, we can go into the DeMar DeRozan mid-range hero ball show – when he's surrounded in bench units, right? And same thing with like Vooch and Zach, like you rely on their two-man game uh, with the bench. in, even though like the spacing with the bench isn't as good because they don't have as many shooting threats, the Bulls could really use, I think, someone like Troy Brown Jr. to pop, and that hasn't totally happened yet. I think that Brown in general has been mostly a positive on the floor. But his like moments. You know, He's at his I moments. He's had his moments. He didn't take a leap yet. Certainly. Yeah. And then yeah, I got the the Bulls are last in three point attempts per game right now. They're taking 27.2 threes per game, dead last in the league. And the Knicks, which has been one of the big storylines of you know, the Knicks this year, they're taking 42 and a half threes per game. They the Bulls basically did actually up-
2: take the Bulls did actually take more yesterday. Uh, it's and yeah. Again, DeRozan only made one, but it was nice to see him at least take four. I think Zach needs to be a little more uh, selfish and shoot more threes. I don't think he's taking that many right now. Like he needs to be getting up eight or nine per game. Eight he's and, so efficient yeah. in general. I think he took six last night. I feel like that's what he's, I'd have to pull up his numbers, but I feel like Zach needs to be shooting more three pointers. Vooch uh, took up, Vooch was three or five yesterday, which I think was great. Uh, but yeah, there's just, and Lonzo, I know Lonzo struggled from three yesterday, but I mean, Lonzo should be taking, he took eight per game last year. He should be around there. Zach should be eight or nine threes per game. Vooch at five or six is good Derozan taking a few per game. Uh, and then, yeah, they just with missing Kobe. I mean, I, the looking at the bench, I, that Rob Schaefer tweet, I mentioned 24.2 points per game for the bench. 28th three pointers made per game. 28th three pointers attempts per game 30th. So that's dead last only six per game off the bench. So yeah, they definitely need to be getting up more threes, both starters, both bench. But I don't see how that it's going to change with these bench guys until Kobe comes back.
1: Yeah, and you know, looking ahead at the schedule, as everyone has been alluding to, this Knicks game was sort of the start of their tough run. They're home against the Jazz on Saturday. The Jazz are undefeated. They are the best regular season team in the league. They were number one in that rating last year. I believe they're number one at the start of this season too. I should pull up those up. and speaking of bench
2: like that's a game where the, i mean you have Jordan Clarkson coming off the bench like that jazz bench could be big time problems for the i mean we'll yeah. see, we'll see if the bulls can maybe slow him down with their defensive guys but uh that could be a major mismatch and a big problem on saturday for sure
1: plus 18 and a half net rating league best for the utah jazz through their 4-0 start then you got at boston at philly and then home versus philly Home versus Brooklyn, home versus Dallas, at Golden State, at Clippers, at Lakers, at Blazers, at Nuggets, home versus the Knicks on November 21st. So, uh, it's going to be a tough string for the Bulls. I am coming into this season like, let's just get through this part of the schedule. Like, if we could be a game ahead of 500, two games ahead of 500, that would be solid. Because, like, some of these teams don't look, like, super tough. Like, I mean, I this,
2: I mean that, they could beat the Sixers. The Sixers are I – mean, Embiid is hurting. Uh, they don't look that great. The, they the can Nets, beat the Celtics. They can beat the, the Celtics. Have been mad. I mean, the Nets, obviously, are the Nets. But, I mean, Harden is working himself into shape and looks terrible. So, like uh, – and the Clippers don't have Kawhi. They haven't looked great. So, like, as, like the they, the team names look daunting. And, obviously, they, they'll be really tough games. But, like, it's not like the Bulls can't beat some of these teams. Like, if they play well, they, they can win some of these games. So, they just need to steal – a few here and there. Like we certainly don't think they're going to go whatever over this 14 game stretch, whatever it is like 10 and four, like obviously to do that, they need like needed to win last night, probably. But like, give me seven, give me six and eight, even over like the, this 14 game stretch. And like, I would, that, that'd be great. They'd still be two games over 500. Uh, if that happens, like that wouldn't be that bad. So like, they just need to figure out a way to steal some games, especially with Zach dealing with this thumb thing. Oh yes. Yeah. So the way he was talking just didn't sound that great after the game. But right. we know Zach's. We know Zach's a tough guy. We know he's going to try to play. But he's definitely limited with his ball handling, as he said. He didn't seem like the shooting that he said wasn't as bad uh, in terms of the thumb. But definitely certain things he can do with dribbling the ball is an issue. So yeah, they just they're going to have to survive here. And like it's a tough as they're trying to build chemistry. They're still getting used to each other. It's going to be really tough. Uh, they just can't afford to just go like completely go in the tank here. And I guess. Uh, speaking of injuries we haven't even brought this up yet Patrick Williams getting hurt his wrist I believe it was left wrist I think going up for a dunk uh so that's if he misses time like that's tough but he was going up for a dunk there was a flagrant foul on the plate landed hard had to leave the game a minute later uh which was a bummer because Patrick Pat got off to another brutal start and had tweeted about it and then like right after I tweeted about it he had like You're three or four right? like really nice plays in a row where he started yeah. showing some aggressiveness uh both ends of the court and so then but then he gets hurt again this is his third different injury he had the ankle in training camp he's got he had the shoulder thing now he's got this wrist just just an absolute like outside of a like season-ending injury this is like almost like a worst case start to his second season for patrick williams so a huge bummer and obviously if they if they uh, are losing him like that's another just bigger guy that they won't have in the rotation and I mean, not having him was one reason why Lonzo and Cruz are guarding Julius Randall for like the entire game in, the, in that second half. Like I said, it didn't work out that poorly, but I mean, we didn't want those guys having to deal with that night after night, having to go up against way bigger dudes. So like losing Pat would be, would be a pretty tough blow. I hope like, I don't think we've seen anything new yet. I'm sure we'll get an update after this podcast. So uh, hopefully it's not anything major that would totally throw off what we're saying here, but <laughs> Uh, They did a good job on Randall. They did. They really did. that game, I was like, Randall
1: is going to be a problem in this game. I don't think the Bulls have anyone who can stop him uh, unless Pat is like absolutely at the top of his game defensively. But Randall ends the night 13 points, 16 rebounds, nine assists on three of 11 shooting from the floor, 0 of two from three. So he missed a lot of makeable shots too, especially at the end of the game. But I thought the Bulls did a good job slowing him down. And actually that gives me – some faith that, like their guards, can hold up on the interior when they need to. Lonzo was really good defensively. Now Lonzo wasn't good offense. This no, a tough game no. of Lonzo's tenure on the Bulls. Only six points, six rebounds, four assists. Goes two of eight from the field, one of six from three. If a couple of those threes fall. The Bulls probably win this game. Uh, but t- tough night for Lonzo and. They need someone to pop, I feel like, outside of the three. Like, you had Levine, and DeRozan all go for 20-plus yesterday. Someone else needs to be, like, that fourth scorer. And Caruso had 10, and 10 is decent, but, like, need a little bit more scoring punch there. And that's where we think Kobe can come in. But, like, some days it's going to be Pat, some days it's going to be Lonzo. They need to get that fourth scorer going. And, you know, when Pat does come back, I know Billy doesn't like it, but I would let Pat get into his mid-range bag a little bit. Like, that is the strongest part of his game. And yesterday, he had a few nice makes from the mid-range. So, uh, I wouldn't be scared to
2: embrace the mid-range from the Bulls. And and we've Pat. talked about this before, too. I, if Pat doesn't miss out, maybe he gets time at more time with the bench. Uh, I, I, there was a point, I think, in the second quarter yesterday where he was the small ball five with a bench unit, I think I can't remember exactly, but uh, if you if you if you need offense some offensive juice, like maybe you unleash Patrick Williams and see what he can do out there. As especially if Alize is going to be useless and Tony, I mean, I, we said they'd like to see, see more Tony Bradley. in certain matchups, uh, more Tony Bradley probably better. But there also might be certain matchups where you might want to go to more Patrick Williams at the five and try to get a little more offensive juice out there. So that's definitely something we I would for sure. Like I said, we saw, I said, we saw it very briefly yesterday. They've done that. They, Billy has gone to that a few times and that might be something they have to try out more. If that bench just continues to really, really struggle.
1: I agree. I really like Pat at the five. Uh, I like that as a look and it just allows more space on the floor. And I think he can hold up defensively. And also like, besides for Tony Bradley, Pat's our third biggest player. He's bigger <laughs> than Alizé. So yeah. yeah. Something they need to look at. And then like, You know, wouldn't be surprised if there's another big coming in at some point this season. I think that that would help them out. But in general, I do think that Donovan wants to play small. Yeah, that's why in Karnaschovas wants to, too. That's why they built the roster the way they did. Donovan said they were too big at the four last year at his, uh, you know, at media day to start the season this year. So I don't expect them and certainly I don't want them to play like two big lineups, but. If you look at the recent
2: NBA champions, like hey man, the Cavs are killing it with three big lineups with Lowry at the three. How about
1: I've, I've been watching a decent amount of the Cavs because uh, I'm going to write something on Mobley. He's been and awesome. the Cavs defense with Lowry at the three
2: looks shockingly good. Like I can't believe that's working. I, I think I think teams are like shocked by it because it's not like Lowry is like a great defender, but like he's held his own. Mobley has been awesome, It's just like they're just like so big. It, like teams, I mean, they shut down the Clippers. They shut down, was it the Nuggets? They shut down the Hawks. Like Lowry's shooting like sub 30% from the field. Like he's been awful there offensively, yeah. but like their team defense has been amazing with this three big lineup. It's kind of fucking crazy. Yeah. Um. Let's see what all, what I'm trying to think what else we got. If there was, if I had any well, other thoughts here. Joe uh, Kim Noah Knight was the last Joe Kim Noah Knight. Yeah, we yeah. haven't brought up Joe Kim Noah Knight yet. I mean, awesome. Was, How was
1: it, it was, in the building for that? It was cool to be in the building for that. There were so many ex bulls there. One thing I'll say, though, is Noah didn't get a super loud pop. And, like, I wasn't sure, like, what was going to be happening with this joke of Noah night. Like, was he going to be on the floor pregame? Well, he wasn't. Were they going to do something with him at halftime? No. So it was kind of like a a weird celebration. Like, (laughs) the debate before the game on Twitter was like, they should be retiring Noah's number. I would be in favor of that. Of course, no one mentioned that Tony Bradley wears number 13. I
2: had no idea. I was like, when I saw somebody like with the number 13 getting up to the scores, he was like, who the hell is that? It's Tony Bradley. <laughs> uh, and then
1: like, you know, Noah, I think is a pretty borderline case for a yeah. guy who, if he should get his number retired or not. I'd be in favor of it because I love Noah. But if you retire Noah, do you have to retire? Dang, I would say probably not. But like mm-hmm. ultimately their contributions to the franchise were like pretty similar. Yeah. Uh, again, I would favor Noah over Dang. Noah had the Defensive Player of the Year award,
2: fourth in MVP Uh, voting one year that same year.
1: They were both all stars twice, I believe, over the course of their career. I think so. So It sounds right. Sort of in Noah never averaged even 13 points a game at any point in his career, so sort of a borderline call on retiring his number. I would be in favor of it because I think retired numbers are about contribution to the franchise more so than, like, is this guy a Hall of Famer? Did this lead us to championships? Like, certainly it wasn't Noah's fault that the Bulls didn't win a championship, right? Like, he got every single ounce out of his physical ability, which is something you heard from Billy Donovan and from Tom Thibodeau before the game when uh, there was this great circuit of Noah stories circulating (laughs) leading up to the night. I had so much fun reading all of those uh, great podcast and article from Zach Lowe. The athletic did some good stuff too. So uh, Jason, you wrote a good uh, retrospective on Noah's best moments over bloggable. Make sure check that out, everyone. Uh, so it was just cool to be in there. And I couldn't believe how many old dudes showed up. Dude. Yeah. Noah. Uh Tabo came from Switzerland. Noah said that that was the biggest surprise for him. Aaron Gray was there.
2: You had artist he, Gilmore in the building. Oh, I didn't even see him. It was, yeah, it he, was there, there was, there was the party and like Friday was it? Thursday night or what, Wednesday night. They had the party somewhere in Chicago and they, the bulls Twitter kind of just kept tweeting all these pictures of all these guys that were there. And yeah, I mean like Kirk was there. Luol was there and like big sexy Kurt Thomas was there. You mentioned Aaron Gray, Tabo, uh, Keith Bogans, Carlos Boozer was there. Uh, I, I got, had to give you the shout—the booze news shout out—in my thing at Bloggable, so that was great. Uh, I'm trying to think who else was there. Was, I mean, just other like it just seemed like the ne- every next person was like, oh my god, I can't believe Randy this guy. Kuko, <laughs> Cliff
1: Livingston. I mean, there were a lot of guys there. So awesome to see everyone show out for Noah. Uh, it's so weird that like. I mean, Noah graduated high school a year before I did. He graduated high school in two thousand four, and we're like throwing this celebration, like <laughs> it's over. Noah, thank you for, but like in general, he's still a young man. He's thirty six years old. Yeah. No, he has so much of his life in front of him. So it's cool that Noah's going to be an ambassador for the Bulls. They made yeah. him get in his uniform and take another photo shoot and they compared it here to, and now or then and now yeah yeah and you could tell that Noah's retired right like he looked a little <laughs> less cut than he was even when he was playing for the clippers inside the bubble uh but in that photo shoot rock and d rose shoes he had the just incredible quote of comparing roses oh and, during the 9-11
2: <laughs> which.
1: I'm just going to leave that alone, but I had a lot of very interesting,
2: a lot of very interesting quote tweets and replies to that, to when I highlighted that on my Twitter account. I'll just say that. (laughs) It put a big smile on
1: my face. And I remember when Rose suffered that injury, my buddy Bobby tweeted that comparing it to both the Titanic, seeing happy people get on the Titanic as he was looking back on Twitter and nine 11. So, uh, Wow, Noah. He went
2: there, you know. I mean, like, he admitted, he, he admitted that it was crazy. He admitted. He was like, Yeah, people are gonna call me crazy. It's like, yeah, that is that is pretty crazy to go there. But like, I mean, obviously the Rose moment was devastating. It.
1: I'm just gonna say I love that quote. I thought that <laughs> quote was amazing. And um, you know, it's just classic Noah. And Noah in general, what is he is he the, your favorite bowl post-Jordan? Like, why not? It's gotta be him or Rose. And Noah just like. He everything was so good about his tenure on the Bulls, right? Like, there weren't really, like, low-light moments outside of the fact that I was going through some of the game logs. He was playing, like, 38, 39 minutes a month with injuries. Oh, Tibbs like, ruined there? his
2: ass. Like, whatever, like, yeah. whatever minutes police thing there was, like, we probably overdid that a lot. But, like, Tibbs probably ruined Noah. Noah would
1: still be playing today the same way that Taj is.
2: <laughs> yeah, like... That, that, that season, that season he played through lower body injuries. He had, the, I think, and then he had, like, the shoulder injury. Yeah, and he was playing huge. I mean, he basically had to do it for the Bulls to win. So, like, I kind of get it, but they probably could have done a better job limiting him at least somewhat. Uh, there's no doubt that that was that whatever, that probably that last year, that defensive player of the year had probably ruined his career because he was basically a, a shell of himself after that. But uh, it was the, like, I said this in the blog article, that was, like, the last Bowl season that I like actually really enjoyed watching because the year after that was tibbs last year and like while they were good while obviously like the Rose shot against the Cavs is awesome and like they were on the verge of maybe going to the Eastern Conference Finals the whole year just felt like a slog with the with the Garpacks Tibbs drama that there was just like this thing is going to end with Tibbs getting fired as, unless they like win the title uh so it's just got a long slow thing like drag to that uh, and then the first Hoiberg year was miserable and there was more just like Rose Jimmy stuff. And then obviously they trade and then three alpha season. They won fifty games though. Didn't they that year? 2014, 2015. They did. They won 50 games. They were the three seed and they had the calves on the ropes, but I still yeah. just like, it just felt like a slog because of all like the, the front office and Tom Thibodeau drama. So like, I didn't like, it was hard to like fully just enjoy and like embrace the team because it felt like it was coming to an end if, as if they didn't win and that's what happened. Uh And then, yeah, like I said, 1st Hoiberg year bad three alpha season. Absolutely hated it outside of, Jimmy breaking out until like a superstar. Uh, and then obviously the first two Boston games, but then that ends and then Jimmy gets traded. And then the last four years were dog shit. Worst team in the NBA. So like this year I'm ready to have a fun season, but that last 2013, 2014, because that season Rose came, came back and then he tears his meniscus like 10 games. And they, they salary dump the wall dang. And you're like, the bulls are going to tank, whatever. Let's do the tank. And Joe Kim Noah puts them on his back. I think that was a DJ Augustine year. Uh, put and then like that. That team had no business winning. I think they won 48 games. Had no business doing that. They just played their ass off every night. Noah leading the way. Uh, And it was just fun to watch because like the expectations weren't high. Like you knew they weren't going to win a championship, but like they were just fun. Noah played his ass off. Just great to watch him and that defense shut teams down. Uh, And like I said, that was the last like actually super enjoyable season. The bowl season that was seven years ago now. Well, Jace, you know what they
1: say: the Bulls are back. I'm in <laughs> all of these games. This is gonna be a fun stretch. And I've been saying this since they made the move, like m- made all these moves over the summer. One of the best things about the Bulls, just like going in on being competitive, is like it makes all these regular season games worth watching. Like I want to see how they stack up against the Sixers. I want to see how they stack up against the Celtics because these are the teams the Bulls are going to be vying for Eastern Conference playoff position with. So going to be a tough stretch for the bulls coming up, but it's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to it. It's nothing to, to be too worried about. Right. Like even if they get totally smoked, Zach's hand injury is the one thing that like worries me. Like I the stretch, right. Like I wish that that wasn't the case because as you've alluded to his post game comments were like, yeah, like this was a big nuisance. (laughs) There's Not much I can do about it. Other than play. He said he felt like he was dribbling with four fingers. Yep. So it's going to be a challenge, but uh, you know, I, I only see it as an opportunity for the Bulls to really see how they stack up to the rest of the conference and uh, some of the better teams in the league.
2: Absolutely. Got anything else? We could probably wrap up here. Wrap did, up. I said we didn't, I'm trying to think if we missed anything, we talked the injuries, everything with the game. Joe came knowing that I think we are probably good here. So we will wrap it up here, uh, here at cash considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. I do want to give a special shout out. If you've noticed, we actually have a new, Intro now finally. We have we had that old intro with larry Marketing up until like right before the season started. We have a new intro now, and I do just want to give a shout out. We had just a fan on Twitter reach out to us and make put together that intro for us, and it's awesome. So I gotta give a shout out to he's at Fuzzgun on Twitter. If you want to check out his soundcloud soundcloud.com slash relax fuzzgun. Thank you so much for making that for us. It's great, some great highlights from the preseason. Uh, really just fits the vibe of this new Bulls team with some good stuff in there. So, shout out to him. Shout out to the Blue Wire Network, as always, with the NBA season starting. Uh, go check out all the other great NBA pods. Go check out all the other great pods all across the Blue Wire Network for us here at Cash Considerations. Please rate and review us. Give us those five star ratings on Apple Podcasts. That helps us out. Give us that feedback, uh, whatever you want to do. We're also on Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, all those places. Um, for us on Twitter, I'm at Bulls underscore J. Ricky is at SBN underscore Ricky. Uh, so we'll probably talk to you guys next week sometime for our next pod. Again, we got the Jazz on Saturday night, and then it's what the Celtics, you said, on Monday night. Probably maybe maybe after that Celtics, game, we'll do our next pod. So uh, have a good weekend, everybody, and we'll talk to you guys next time.